I have to admit something. That over the last several weeks, three weeks or so, I have felt the most laziest that I have ever felt in my life before. Wrapping up a lot of things, finishing school, I get home and it's just kind of like, I've gotten really good at this lately. I just feel so lazy. It's great, actually. But in that time of this extreme laziness, I've had moments when I've been able to reflect on a lot of things. In particular, uh, one of the big things I was able to wrap up in the last several weeks, and that's my seminary experience. And was reflecting on, on that and thinking how ironic some things are. See, it took me four years to finish seminary, and don't laugh because that's just how long it takes, not just me. But it took me four years, and after reading book after book after book after godforsaken book, <laughs> and after reading article after article and writing paper after paper after paper, mostly on time, and listening to lecture after lecture after lecture after lecture, when it's all said and done, they give you a nice pretty piece of paper that says, Master of Divinity. <laughs> divinity, you know, things about God. And, and let me be honest with you, there's something unnerving about being called that, being a master of things about God. Because I've known people in my life that I have thought, man, they are a master at what they do. Maybe you know some of those people. I know people that are master chefs. It's incredible what they can do. Give them a few ingredients, what they can put out of an oven. Maybe there's people who are master musicians or master artists, right? And we say, man, look at that masterpiece of what they're able to do with their creativity, and then there's other kinds. There, I've known master plumbers, right, and master woodsmen and people who can just do amazing things with an incredible amount of talent. But I have to be honest with you. I have never met anybody in my life who, after I've met them, I've said, wow, they seem like they got a mastering of what it means about God's stuff. And to be fair, I think I've met people who think they're masters of God's stuff. <laughs> But I'm not preaching that one today, okay? <laughs> we know people like that, don't we? Unfortunately. My advice is don't be that guy, okay? Never be that guy. But we all know people like that sometimes, and I think even Jesus knew people like that. I think we're, we were introduced to someone like that this morning, our friend Nicodemus. Oh, you know Nicodemus. If you know John 3.16, you should know Nicodemus because it's in the setting of meeting Nicodemus we have those great words of that verse. And I don't mean to put Nicodemus in a bad light, but, I, you know, poor guy. He's the one right now having a come-to-Jesus moment, quite literally. So let's give him a little bit of credit, okay? I got that out of the way. That's all pretty much nicely. I think I, nice I can say about Nicodemus, at least for today. I'm sure Nicodemus had no other responsible choice but to go see Jesus at night, 
right? Being the respected leader that he was. But I don't want you to forget the symbolism John is often using in his letter. John has already told us once before that Jesus is the light. And so maybe instead of just telling us something about the time of day this conversation had, it was going to take place, maybe John is telling us something about Nicodemus, that he's going to meet the light at dark. Are you all with me? So that maybe something about who he was and something about his faith kept him in the dark as he met with the light. Now, if that's an accurate observation... It wouldn't be the first time that Nicodemus, these Pharisees, have been played in this kind of way. And I guess it wouldn't be a big shock then to think how uh, confused Nicodemus is as he's speaking here with Jesus. After all, Nicodemus was one of them in the first chapter of John. See, there was this guy named John who was out baptizing. What's his name? John the Baptist. See, it was the Pharisees, Nicodemus included, who, who sent people to go talk to the guy. You know what they asked him? Who are you? My name's John. That's what everybody calls me. And I baptize people. So maybe in a lot of ways these Pharisees are in the dark. Maybe there's a whole lot of things they just can't get for whatever reason. I think part of what's wrong with Nicodemus this morning is that um, you never go to a, a job interview and they tell you, you know, when they ask you, What's your greatest strength you're supposed to wrap up? Or what's your greatest uh, weakness and you're supposed to wrap up your greatest strength and make it look like a weakness? You know that game? (laughs) I think maybe Nicodemus, that's part of his problem. See, part of his problem, I think, is that he is quite sure of everything he knows. I think Nicodemus is used to getting answers. They sent people to John to tell us, who you are. And the people said to John, you need to tell us, give us an answer to go back to. Nicodemus is used to getting answers. I think he's used to having the answers. And I really think he's probably used to giving the answers as well as a leader of the Jewish people. Now, if you remember, what's the first thing he tells Jesus when they meet? Rabbi, we know You are a teacher sent from God. We know all about you. We know who you are. We know exactly what you're doing here. We know you are sent from God. And really, I can't blame Nicodemus. I really feel like that he probably knew what he was destined to do ever since he was real small. It was a practice at one time for Jewish families to give their sons two names. Their Jewish name and a Greek name. Now, we only know one of Nicodemus' names. Do you know which one, the Jewish or the Greek? Take a guess. Greek. Nicodemus is a Greek name. Now, we like to go find, you know, we get birth name books, right? We look for pretty names for our kids, and we buy those little pretty cards with flowers on them with the name, and they have the meaning. What's really funny about that, put this name Nicodemus on one of those cards, Because it's funny, his name translates into conqueror of the people. Yeah. Nicodemus knew from a very early age somebody set him up to be a conqueror of people. And in a time and culture where your name 
means everything. I can imagine Nicodemus living his life trying to live up to that name. Trying to make sure he was a conqueror of people. And you might say he did a good job at it. Because now he's not only just a Pharisee, he's a leader amongst Pharisee. He's probably the one that people go to to ask anything. The one who's going to have the answers. The one who's going to be able to give direction. Now that's okay in and of itself. But what we remember about these Pharisees, oh, God love them. I really think they loved God. I really think they loved the law of God. But somewhere down the line, what became more important than loving God and loving the law of God was knowing things. See, the Pharisees, and I think Nicodemus, could probably tell you everything you're doing wrong. They could probably tell you everything you're supposed to be doing right. And if you're not sure, then all you really have to do is, well, look at me. If you want a good example, I can show you how it's done. You no good sinner, you. Now, What's wrong with that, a lot of things wrong, I guess, but in a way what happens is these these Pharisees become spiritual bullies because they can push you around because you don't know what they know. They can tell you how wrong you are while telling you how right they are. They can make you feel low. They can make you feel like God doesn't love you or that there's something still more that you have to do to get God to love you. They can push you around that way and somehow... I imagine Nicodemus was a part of that, this conqueror of people that he was. So imagine how defeating it might have been for this conqueror of people to have to come meet some small town teacher at nighttime so that nobody can see him or so that nobody can know about this little rendezvous. And then, oh my goodness, this teacher, you start talking to him, and he just starts coming out with this crazy stuff. Who in the world is this guy, and why are we listening to him? Why are we giving him the time of the day, talking about going back into the womb? (laughs) This guy is out of his mind. Understand this. It it seems kind of rude of Jesus to kind of cut Nicodemus off. Nicodemus, after all, looks like he's trying to be a nice guy. Hey, we know you're from God, right? But Jesus doesn't trust Nicodemus. If you would go to the very last uh, verses of chapter 2 of John, John tells us that while Jesus was in the temple, he did many signs that people saw. And as they saw these signs, they put their trust in Jesus' name, John tells us. But John also says that Jesus did not entrust them. He couldn't. They only believe because of what they saw. And so, again, remember the first thing Nicodemus tells Jesus when he comes? Rabbi, we know you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these things that you do apart from the presence of God. Nicodemus had seen those things and thought, whoa, that's pretty cool. And Jesus couldn't trust him for that. So you're only here, Nicodemus, because of what you think you know from what you saw. Really, Nicodemus, do you know who I am? 
Are you really sure you understand why I'm here? See, I'm talking about real stuff here. And yet you're a teacher. You're the one everybody goes to ask questions about. And you don't understand this stuff. You've read and you've read and you've read and you've you've written and you've taught. And yet you don't get it. What are they teaching you over there, Nicodemus? And when Nicodemus, his problem is not that. Not that he has wrong answers or he's trying to figure out what Jesus is saying. The problem that Nicodemus has is that his his focus is all wrong. His perspective is all wrong. And it cannot, at least at this point, be changed. See, imagine the trouble also this conqueror of faith would have had as Jesus started talking about being lifted up. Nicodemus has spent his entire life living up to his name, a conqueror of people. And now this this teacher that he has seen do amazing things is telling him that the only reason why he has come was to be lifted up. And understand when John talks about being lifted up, John is like an all-in-one package. John's talking about the life, the death on the cross, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's all together. And Jesus is telling the conqueror of people that I just came to be lifted up. Imagine how how confusing then that is to Nicodemus as well. John tells, Jesus tells Nicodemus that I must be lifted up just as Moses lifted up the serpent. That's an interesting story if you remember how it goes. The people were in the desert and God had given them great victory. And so I think the people knew exactly what they had been able to do. But then they get into the desert. Well, and things change. The only thing they know then is that things aren't what, like they want them to be. They think they know where they are. They think they know what they want. And it leads to death. But it isn't until Moses raises up that serpent that God brings life to that community of a bunch of know-it-alls who think they've got it all figured out. And so it is with us, you and I, friends. Now, let's, we're not trying to be rude to each other, but we're all a bunch of know-it-alls, aren't we? <laughs> we feel like we've got some things figured out, right? Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me either. There are some things that we can know about God. There are some things that God, I think, allows us to know. But some of the things we think we know about God, friends, are so so unfaithful, are so not what God wants us to think about God. You see... Some of us think we know God doesn't want anything to do with us. Some of us think we've been away from the church or away from God too long. Some of us think God doesn't know about what we've been a part of or what we've done. We know for sure that we aren't good enough. Friends, the reason why Jesus spoke with Nicodemus to help him change his mind. 
And really what we understand about the, the book of John is that John the writer is speaking not only on behalf of himself, but on behalf of an entire community who's probably suffering great things, suffering from people who feel like they know it all and are trying to push them out. And what Jesus is trying to communicate to Nicodemus and what John is trying to, to, to communicate to his community and I think what God is trying to communicate to us is something different than we think we know. Everything we know about God has to center around God's love for us. If we're more worried or we think about more about judgment and condemnation, I think that's wrong. Because the heart of John's message is that verse that so many of you have memorized by heart of what God was willing to do for us because God loved us. Now, I don't know what you will remember about any of the, catch this, 200 plus sermons we've shared together. I don't know what you will remember about any of our Bible studies or anything else we've done, anything I've ever said. But I have the chance right now to tell you the one thing that I hope you will at least remember that God wants you and I to know. Something in your eyes I see Reminds me of what used to be When I was still uncertain of the truth Sleepless nights that turn to days Alone inside an endless space Counting on someone to see me through One thing I know You are never left alone You can always call on Jesus' name And if there's one thing I pray It's Jesus helps you find a way To make a change and listen to your heart God will take away your pain Choose to let it go If there's One thing I know How can I convince Your heart His light can find you In the dark Only he can make Your blind eyes see And if we speak Of lost things found Lives that have been turned around Tell me who knows better than me If there's one thing I know You are never left alone You can always call on Jesus' name And if there's one thing I pray Jesus helped 
some things. I've mastered uh, working at the last minute. I've mastered being able to read countless numbers of books in a short amount of time. Friends, I don't know that I've mastered a whole lot when it comes to the stuff of God. The only thing that I can really lay anything on that God so loved the world that he gave us his only son so that whoever believed in him not perish but have everlasting life. Indeed, God didn't send the son into the world to condemn the world so that the world through him might be saved. Brothers and sisters, thanks be to God.